How you feeling, Jess? <laughs> doing... That's how we start the podcast now. I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. My foot's not under the table. There it goes. Okay. We, we're trying a new thing this week with April, because she thinks when you sit down to podcast, I need to be given a treat. Right. She, it's extortion. She's like, I'm going to bark and boof until you yep. give me a treat. Well, Jessica has this, like, it's like a toy that My you My friend filmed. Laura sent it to keep her... Uh to keep her busy and have fun it was it's she, a rubber it's, cup it's her little her little baby shower gift <laughs> it's a rubber cup and she filled what do you fill it with uh the little packets are over there it's some sort of soft dog food. soft dog okay like food squeeze thing and then you freeze it and so now she's very distracted with it but if you have like your headphones in you might just be hearing a dog in the background going <laughs> The whole time. So sorry. So about before, that. instead of a dog barking Oops. occasionally, now you're just going to hear licking sounds the whole time. I'll put it in the living room uh, next time, <laughs> not in the kitchen. We could move it now. I'll wait for the break, <laughs> which we haven't even finished the cold open, so we'll still wait for the break. Uh, I don't know. I guess that was a good enough spot to start. Oh, okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. I re- Jessica asked me right before we started recording again. She's like, did you want to move the little dog cup? And I'm like, nah. Yeah. I'm sitting. It's hot in this apartment, but it's not hot oh, outside. Oh, boy, we've got the we've got the it's hot again. Uh... But it's not hot. <laughs> it's not. I don't think we deal with this particular situation. It's freezing cold for Los Angeles. It's not it's freezing chilly cold. Outside. It is chilly outside for Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a chill in the air. It's been yeah. chilly for Los Angeles in June. It's been June gloom. It's very it's very overcast. And yet and it's warm in this apartment. I'm wearing is. a tank top. <laughs> you are. It's, it's so weird when Danny busts out a tank top because he like never wears them. I've got two tank tops that I don't know why we bought them. I don't know. They're a little too small. They're too small. They're very old tank tops. I might have bought them to, like, go with a certain outfit so there weren't, like... It might have been for, like, a fancy... No, not this one, because this not one's blue. Not fancy. It's... <laughs> There's nothing fancy about a tank top. No, I think I have a white tank top that I had so that it wouldn't show that I'm wearing a shirt underneath some other outfit. Right. But this blue tank top, I don't know what we bought this for. For no. the beach? Maybe. For the old-timey beach? Like, it's Popeye and, and Bluto? I'm Bluto, though. <laughs> I'm going to go kick sand in some nerd's face and he's going to get the Charles Atlas lifestyle and come back to the beach and beat me up. Anyway. Danny, we have younger listeners. I don't know if they know who Popeye is. Popeye's not a thing anymore, really. There was another time in my life where I would expect everyone to understand the reference to Popeye. Everybody knows the Robin Williams movie. Not everyone knows that either. I don't think I even realized that was Robin Williams. Are you Williams. Googling Popeye? Oh, no, you're just writing some extra notes? No, I was just trying to fix my notes. They were, it was formatted in a way that was odd. And You never saw the live me. action Popeye movie? No, I actually didn't. I don't think I saw most of it, but it used to play on TV when I was a kid, so I would see it in pieces. Right. Like I the remember Blues the Brothers. box art from, like, Blockbuster. There are certain movies 
that like I felt like I had seen them because I would see them so often on television and I would see bits and pieces of it. I'm like, yeah, I get that whole movie and the Blues Brothers is one of those. But then I actually sat down and watched the Blues Brothers from beginning to end. And I'm like, oh, there's so much in this movie I'm not familiar with. Right. And Popeye, the live action movie from is Shelley 1980. Duvall in that? Who's, yes. who's the, yeah, okay. Shelley Duvall is Olive thought. Oil. It's directed by Robert Altman. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have anything else much to say about the live action Popeye movie. I was just about to ask if there was top of the show business. Though. There is. There are voicemails. Nice. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay, so we have a we have two people called. Okay. Oh, and then there's a voicemail from someone else that I've it's saved somewhere else, and it's not in here, and I have to go see if I can get it. Okay. But here's the first voicemail. This is someone calling about the prodigal son discussion we had from last oh, week. Oh, nice. Okay. Hey, this is uh, Josh. I'm going to say Bible Josh. Um, and your episode for prodigal, you asked for more information about the prodigal son, and you know I got to jump in on the Bible stuff. So I say for one. Uh, with the prodigal son, everything that happens to him, and like losing all his money. There are two explanations for it in a place like um, white churches. It's more likely to be um, talked about as he took the inheritance and it was like shameful and bad and like stretched beyond his position and he lost all of his money. Um, but for like churches made up of people typically lower class or like in Africa or Latin America, uh, you'll also have this um, conversation about what actually happened if he asked for the inheritance and then there was a famine in the land. And so he lost everything, not through partying or whatever, as upper class people would say. It was against his will. He had nothing to do with it. There was just a famine. And with poorer people and and especially people in Latin America and Africa, where famines are a little bit more common, and I'll say parts of Asia, it's it's often discussed in terms of that. And second, for the older brother, there there's a lot of readings of, like the older brother is the Jews and the younger brother is the Christians. That's very typical, like, anti-Semitic Christian interpretation. And then you've got another interpretation that's like the older brother is, I don't know, and the younger brother is Israel, and Israel returns to God. Or, but, but the gist of it being, like, the, the older brother stayed and doesn't get the, uh, the party. And I think the larger point is that it's always better. It, it, you're always happier when somebody returns than when uh, the person has stayed the whole time because you've got to spend all this time with us the entire, everywhere. You've got to spend all the time with us. And when somebody returns, it's always a joyous occasion regardless. So really you have a conversation about hospitality here of like when you have a visitor, you have to act a certain way and you don't treat everyone who's been with you the whole time that way. And so there's this broader conversation of like sharing with everyone and sharing with the town when somebody new comes in because that's expected. And then cut off that he didn't get cut off, but then he just kind of dropped out. So oh, well, that's <laughs> he didn't super say bye. Interesting. It is super interesting. I was just, I was just like expect, expecting a bye and like, oh, it just ended. Okay. <laughs> and I had to double check that it didn't cut off at the three minute mark. Um, yeah, that is interesting. And 
I guess I didn't think about when we talked about Prodigal and, you know, the, the, the song Prodigal, it alludes to the Prodigal Son, but it's not all about the Prodigal Son. But another thing I didn't think about is, like, it's a Bible story, but it's a story within the Bible story. Because <laughs> it's the... It's a story that yeah. Jesus is telling. Yeah. And I think in the con- I think in the concept that when you I hear- mentioned that last week. I know you did, but what I didn't think about specifically is like when you think about the Bible and the way that, you know, it's taught and it's the word of God and it's all true and everything. That's one thing, but it's like if there's a story within the Bible, it's right. a fic- it is a fictional story that Jesus is telling within the Bible. So there's so there's this like cultural and religious leaning for us like to revere the stories of the Bible and try not to misinterpret them and stuff. But there's so many interpretations of this story that it's like you know because Christ was telling it to people. And now, over generations, over cultures, thousands of years, multiple different cultures, different eco- e- economic, social classes, everyone takes something completely different from the story. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a handful of Bible stories. It's like, well, no, this is the definitive canonical thing you're supposed to take from it. But for this one, it's a fictional story told within the Bible. Right. By Jesus. In like a... Like, like a real like a or like a real Quentin Tarantino style thing, like <laughs> or like a Wes Anderson style thing, like a flashback within a flashback. But yeah, it's interesting to to realize that there are multiple interpretations of that story based off of different cultures. Um, then we have Samantha calling. Hey, Justin Dan, it's Samantha H. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I'm Samantha age number one or two, but I'm going to guess two. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I, n- now I'm not sure because I can't remember. So, so we have two Sam H's. So we right. have two female Sam H's on our Patreon. Yep. And I don't... If this is Sam Henson, because I don't recognize everyone's voices, or I can't recognize their voices right now, uh, then... Sam Henson is Sam number one because she was the first one on the Patreon. But you know, like we and we've had multiple Joshes and we've had multiple Johns on the on the Patreon and like, but everyone has a different last name. I was like, right. what are the odds we get two Samantha H's? Yeah, like what am I supposed to do? And I don't like to like fully mention everyone's last names. I don't know. Like, should there be some? Uh, we need nicknames. Yeah, we need everyone should hit me. not just Samantha H one and two. We need we we <laughs> got to figure out nicknames. I guess I could just call them by their full last names on the ad read. I'm not changing it this week, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I I just well, I thought to myself like if we're gonna read everyone's name every week, people might not want their full last name. I never bothered to ask anybody. Right, people right. probably don't care. But anyway. You could probably read what they signed up with Patreon as. Yeah. Like what they, you know, have as their username or whatever. And this isn't Sam Henson that's calling. This is Sam H number two. Okay. (laughs) Right on. I'm calling because I've been listening to the last few episodes and I had a lot of comments that I wanted to make. And they all seem to just kind of leave my brain whenever I want to give you guys a call. But um, I 
sent over an email a little while back. Um, I don't know if you guys received it. It was pretty long. Uh, it has a lot of information in it, and um, I was a bit under the weather when I wrote it, so I had time to sit down and go through it. Uh, first off, before anything, I want to say, uh, obviously, congratulations are in order. I am super excited for you guys and the new addition to your family. Um, you know, I am a newly single mom, and my baby is 16 months, and it's tough, obviously, for obvious reasons, but um, God, it's just the most incredible feeling in the world, holding her, talking to her, uh, realizing that my life existed once upon a time where she wasn't around, and then all of a sudden, now there will never be a time in my life that'll exist where she's not. There was another time in my life. That's fitting for the song we picked this week. Oh, Danny, we're, we're listening to this beautiful sentiment, and you had to go and ruin it. I thought I was enhancing it. I wasn't making a joke. I was saying how fitting for the song we picked. <laughs> oh, Danny, can you stop joking, please? I was being serious. I was being sincere. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had a moment with myself, a literal coming to God moment with myself where it was just like, this is it. You know, my life is forever going to be different. And... Um, I'm just so excited for you guys to go on this journey of parenthood. You guys are going to be incredible parents, and I'm very excited for you. Um, yeah, I had a lot more that I sent over, um, but I wanted to give my congratulations to that. And I, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say for now, I think I had more that I wanted to say, but I can't remember right this second. So I might call in later and uh, iterate to you guys my thoughts on the previous episode because I had a few and I just can't remember right this second. Sorry. Uh, all right. Bye. Thank you so much. And congratulations to you. And oh my gosh, I can't imagine like going through this journey like alone. Oh my goodness. That's amazing and incredible. Um, I did get Sam's email and I'm so sorry I haven't replied to it. Maybe I'll have to, I probably won't reply to it before this episode's out, but it is long and I started reading it and I definitely want to read it. I, I'm so busy with work, like the, the shreds of time I have that aren't like dedicated to recording this podcast, editing this podcast are spent like trying to recover from this inc incredible ass kicking job, <laughs> not kick ass. It's fun. I like the people I work with this job that is just kicking my ass. Like it's, it's very, it's been very difficult. So my shreds of extra time, I haven't been doing all this stuff. Oh, and like I've been working on the collapsible lung thing with people who have been submitting those songs. That's very close to done. And I'm like, I got to do more work on that. I got to prepare the artwork. So I've, I'm going to read your email. I'm so sorry, Sam, that I haven't read it by now. But uh, Sam did call back with more thoughts on the episode. Hey, Justin. Hey. Hey, Justin Dan. Sorry. Uh, my car was beeping at me, and I wasn't sure if it was the voicemail or my car. Um, so I am calling 
because I just finished re-listening to both Prodigal and For the Moments I Feel Faint. And I wanted to address something that was brought up in Prodigal. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about how Matt Stephen is talking about um, how the church hasn't been very Christian in the way that it's treating its, I want to say its populace. Really, I the way that I really want to word it is that the way that Christianity has started to treat its subjects, because Christianity kind of puts itself on this royal pedestal of them looking down on everybody, and, Christ, and a lot of Christians have taken on and adopted this concept of being superior. And I think that there is this hugely important thing that people are not discussing, and it's the fact that... Christians have begun, have begun to isolate the people around them to make themselves feel better about their beliefs. And I know that, you know, hashtag not all Christians, right, but the reality is that it's a lot of them, specifically a lot of people with boomer mindsets, a lot of people with even Gen X mindsets, um, have this idea of what Christianity is supposed to look like because it's what's been ingrained in them for so long. And they don't want to change their way of thinking. And so I feel very strongly that the song Prodigal is actually about, Tyson has put himself in the position of a Christian who is coming back to the church and coming back to Jesus and being able to say, hey, I don't think that this is exactly what you had in mind when you left. And I just want to know why Christians have taken your message and kind of bastardized a lot of the things that you said to us. You told us to be kind to the poor. You told us to treat each other as equals. You told us to just love everybody. And I don't see that happening. And I feel like your message has kind of been lost in the fray, you know, has been kind of just lost amongst your people. And I think that's where the concept of you've got egg on your face on your face, but the faith will keep washing your feet. I do believe that, you know, it's about the fact that Jesus is like, hey, you're making a mess of things. Like you I I don't know which one of you is actually listening to what I'm saying. I think that you guys are just continuously trying to say that you love me, that you care about me, but everything that I've taught you, everything that I've told you has been lost. And um, this relates to the email that I sent you uh, earlier today, right before I called you. I sent over an email, and um, I realized, you know, after watching the video that I sent you and after looking at Reliant K's, um, yeah, merch, it, it kind of clicked for me that, oh, there is this unspoken message that Christians send in when they say you need to love everybody. They also say, but make sure that you tell everybody who's not listening to you that you're going to hell. Make sure you tell everybody who doesn't believe the way that you believe that they're going to hell. 
And that's a big problem because then you isolate people who suffer from depression. You isolate people who are gay. You isolate people who have actual, like, issues, like trauma holders, people who are suffering from trauma that the church has caused them. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I think that's exactly, basically, I think that's exactly what he was going at with this song, with the song last week. And I see the email that Sam sent us, and it's the it's a reference to a YouTube video called The Dark Reality of the Christian Music Industry from two years ago. It's got similar mm-hmm. in it. Refinery29. Um, I think I've seen people talking about that video, but I haven't actually seen it myself. Okay. So anyway... Um, yeah, uh, I completely agree. And I wasn't fully prepared to have this conversation right now. I was expecting to get a little bit into stuff about, oh, April, you're done with your little toy already? Oh my gosh, I have to put more in next time, clearly. <laughs> or put two out. <laughs> I wasn't fully prepared for this conversation, even though this will come up a little bit in the song. But going back to the discussion of a prodigal and like the failings of the church and all of that and how ill-prepared I am for those discussions overall because it's nothing I've ever studied. But then again, for someone like me, who who is a lot of people, like someone who hasn't like fully studied every, everything, doesn't understand all the vernacular and all yeah. the discussions for this stuff... If it doesn't make sense to a regular to an everyday person who isn't fully like Bible studying every day, then shouldn't it make sense to that? And when I look at the church and I just see like and and online and people just like hating people and people treating people horribly. Right. And yeah, it's a failing of the church. It's like one and it's like yeah, I never I haven't heard of hashtag not all Christians. But I remember things like you know, it wasn't a hashtag back then, but I remember things like um during 9-11 when people were treating all uh, Muslim people like they were all the terrorists and like that's basically what's kind of happening now with Christians like they're they're claiming Christ and they're storming the capital and they're claiming Christ and they're like killing people like I don't know what to tell you it's like it's fucking horrible (laughs) and yeah like I still have a faith in Christ and I just don't see that that Christ is representative of what's happening in America Mm -hmm. today and I don't know about all of the you know other cultures like we talked about in the previous voicemail but all the different cultures and you know but it and how that Christianity might be reflected in other places in Europe and Australia and places where they don't speak English like Africa and South America like uh Josh was mentioning in that previous voicemail, but uh, everything Sam's saying makes complete sense to me. (laughs) This response from the church that's just, if you believe in Christ, everything's going to be fine. If you believe in Christ, you're not going to have these issues. If you believe in Christ, your world changes. You know, this idea that the church has that, you know, if you believe in Christ, then everything's going to go your way. And if it's not going your way, you're not believing hard enough. You're not a good enough Christian. That's hugely important, I think, especially in today's society where we have millennials and Gen Z. You have people like us who are just like, but, but what about the fact that, you know, I'm I'm still suffering? Yeah, this is absolutely right. Sorry to cut you off there, but this is absolutely right. And this is something I can speak to a little bit more. We talked about this with Prodigal and how that one genius annotation mm-hmm. was like 
this song is about how people shouldn't take for granted how God gave them houses and right, yards right, and right. picket fences. Like, no, that's not it. But at the same time, like, it, it, it's like, it, it, I mean, within my lifetime, within our generation and within America, like the way that we view Christ is constantly changing and it changes all the time. It changes with every generation. It changes the values of people change all the time. So their way that they express or the way that they have a relationship with Christ and what they expect from their Christianity changes all the time. What we experience in our generation and like these youth groups in the 90s, like right. totally radical times with Christ, <laughs> like that's going to be completely different from how people experienced the Christian church just like five years before, 10 years before. I hear people on, on, the, on the internet all the time talking about how like there's not enough of a Christian rock scene to say that like they're missing out. The kids today are missing out. They're not getting the same experience with Christ because there aren't the same type of bands out there just like touring. Hey, like, Reliant K is still out there. <laughs> they are still out there. But I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, yeah, it's cool to have that. It's cool to have those bands and they're saying about the things you believe. But that's not integral to a relationship with Christ. Right. Because that's marketing. And that's kind of what it comes down to is like, not just, and I harp on the Christian music thing all the time and how it really, that's just a marketing tool that's marketing made to make money. And just like any other industry, any other music industry, any other aspect of any of that stuff. But like. And they weren't even targeting our generation. They're targeting our parents' generation. They're targeting the boomers who right. are like you know, who were very fearful and things because like that. Because what, what I was thinking is you see a change in the marketing of Christ all the time. And I mean this in a literal money-making sense. Even if the people behind the books and the sermons and the churches and the audio tapes and the DVDs and the VHS tapes, even if the people behind those things mean it and they want to get people saved and they want to get people to have peace and they're coming at it from a loving point of view, it's still a marketing tool. And the way that people see those videos and those DVDs and stuff, it changes your expectation of what your relationship with Christ means. So there are a generation of like boomers who were raised in churches and watched tapes and listen to audio tapes where it's like, Jesus exists in the world to make you prof to make you prosperous. Right. And of course, if you have a faith in Christ, you know you don't need to worry. But that's not what like people in Africa are gonna be getting. Right, they're gonna have yeah. a relationship with Christ and they're like, oh, I didn't love Christ hard enough. So I'm don't have a, my own home. I don't have like the economic social construct of places in the world don't allow them to have the things that we can have in America. So do the Americans love Christ more? I would say no, because they're constantly doing horrible things in his name. It's like, you know, people have done horrible things in Christ's name for literally thousands of years, slaughtering whole nations. Oh my God. I'm not the person to talk about this. I think I, we spent the last three years proving that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I just sit here quietly. <laughs> I'm trying to be a Christian. I believe in Christ. I believe that Christ has my back and that he loves me and I love Jesus. But but I, I, how am I still going to hell when there are things that are out of my control that are still happening to me? I can't, I can't change who I am on a fundamental level. I, I, I can't, you know, just because I believe in Christ doesn't mean that I am able to be a different person. But you still say that I'm going to hell, and Jesus is telling me that I'm fine.
like, Jesus is telling me that he loves me, but you're telling me that that's not what Jesus is saying to me. And this is an argument that I continue to have with my parents over the course of my entire life, where it's, I have a different relationship with Jesus than they do. I don't believe in hell anymore, and I know that that's, like, a huge thing, but I I still talk to Jesus. I still I call it working with Jesus as opposed to I believe in Jesus, I have a different relationship with Jesus, but the way that I talk to and communicate with Jesus still feels so much like it did when I was a part of the church, when I was going to church and when I was, you know, loving on my brothers and sisters in the church the way the church told me, I feel closer to Jesus now than I ever have in my entire life. And who's to tell me that my relationship with Jesus doesn't matter because I don't believe the way a Christian, quote-unquote, told me I need to believe. And I don't think that's right or fair because who's to say that Jesus didn't lead me to the way that I believe now? My undying faith hasn't led me to that point. I think that prodigal kind of speaks to the concept that the church needs to change its view because it's isolating so many people that also need to be loved. When I was younger, I tried to start a ministry in my church for young kids because I was in high school and suffered from depression. I had an eating disorder, and I still very much believed in Jesus. Like, I prayed every day. I felt very connected to Jesus. I felt like I had the Holy Spirit in me. I I really, really, really did have what I would call a relationship with Jesus, but I still struggled with mental health. I still struggled with depression and anxiety, and that's normal for a teenager. And I was made to feel like there was something wrong with me. My relationship with Jesus was obviously not authentic, was obviously not what I thought it was. And that is kind of what the church had made me feel like I I should believe them. I should believe that idea. Yeah, and that was nonsense of that church. Like, mm-hmm. believe you know, anyone can believe whatever they want to believe. They can believe that every single word of the Bible is true. You can be whatever sect, whatever denomination, whatever tenements you believe. But this idea that, like, Jesus is a replacement for mental health is not no. true. No. <laughs> like, that's not... And, he, and I don't think Christ ever gave the idea that he would just... Just, like fix everything for you all the time right it was about growing and working with it like she she just said working with him growing and learning to become a person we're still human beings yeah right (laughs) and that's a huge problem that i've that i that i know i personally have had and that i think we both have kind of had with trying to find a church family in our adult lives is that we keep trying different churches and it's like they'll say something or you know put out a certain belief that is very much against Danny's and my fundamental beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I don't I don't really want to go back here because <laughs> that thing bothers me. I don't agree with that. And I don't really want to grow in a place where they have such a different view from myself. So we try someplace else and then they have some other little thing. And so it's like we've both just kind of very much taken our own sort of individual paths it's with kinda- the Lord sort of at this point because it's so hard to find what we're what we're looking for out there which is just that sort of open loving like 
feeling and, and everything and not right. having, you know, not necessarily preaching certain like controversial issues or that sort of thing or whatever. Like, right. I'm loving these voicemails. So I'm going to, there's about two minutes left here on Samantha's last voicemail. And it, it sucks. It sucks a lot. And I tried to reach out to, to my leaders and say, hey, I think it would be hugely important for us to do something because the rate of suicide amongst teenagers is really high right now. And I think that there is definitely a need for outreach from the church for these kids. I think we could do some good if we have some sort of, like, actual safety space, like a group therapy thing, as opposed to, um, you know, leaders who are put in place to become therapists, which I didn't think was healthy for us because we felt, a lot of my friends felt like we were being forced into that by our parents, and we didn't feel like it was safe, and we felt like maybe if we could all talk together as a group, um, it could be better for us as a unit and so I tried to pose it to them and they essentially were like oh we'll get back to you that, that sounds like a really good idea and then I never heard anything from them again and that just made me feel jaded and it made me feel like my feelings didn't matter my experiences didn't matter and no matter what I did no matter how hard I tried the church was never going to take the needs and desires of young teens who struggle still with mental health inside of the church it was just never going to be taken seriously. And that isolated me at a very young age, as well as a lot of my friends. So I think that our generation is continuing to grow up with the same concept of isolation, the same trauma. And I do think that Prodigal speaks to that. The Prodigal really does speak to those of us who wanted more, and the church was like, we're still better than you, and we don't care about what you think. And so, uh, yeah, I wanted to address that and sent over some things that I think you might be interested in seeing. Okay, thanks. I absolutely agree. I love it. Thank you. You want yeah. to take over the podcast? Because <laughs> it's much, much better said than 190 episodes, 180 <laughs> episodes of this podcast from me. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know something else I thought of when we played that part of the voicemail that last part like I, I you know just a minute ago i said this idea that like your christianity or your relationship with christ is supposed to be this fix-all cure for your mental health right and then you have like the the christian scientists who literally believe well if you have right. the right faith then you shouldn't take any medicine right ever so and some and a lot, most Christians would think, oh, that's too far. That's ridiculous. You can take aspirin. You can you can get chemotherapy when you have cancer. That's not against your faith. You can right. take uh, any medication that you need for any actual ailment. But for some reason, the stigma around mental health, it's like, well, it's your brain. It's nebulous. So right. Christ should be enough. And your relationship with Christ can set the basis for finding the help that you need. And I guess what I was thinking now is like this idea that like, oh, you're in the church and you're Christian, therefore you don't need help with your depression. You've got all the help you need, right? Already. It's the Bible. Right. That's enough. Well, what it's the classic 
parable or the classic joke actually it's a bar joke about the guy who's drowning at sea and god sends him a helicopter and he says no thank you god's god sending me someone blah 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 he dies and god's like i said a helicopter everybody knows the joke yep who's to say like basically that that was a failing of that church and those are human beings at that church running that church and they failed in the mission of christ because that they were probably called they were being called at that moment to help actually help all of these kids at this church Mm -hmm. and they failed and that's what churches are made of people and people fail people aren't like a a word i mean i actually don't know a lot about catholicism i wasn't raised catholic i knew a little bit about it because i grew up in boston i had catholic friends but like you know how the pope is infallible and stuff like when it comes to all these protestant christians around the music of relying k and similar bands like these church leaders are fallible and mm-hmm. they are completely fallible and they failed Samantha and all the other people at her church that time. So it's like God could be leading you to find the right medication or reading, leading you to find the right therapist or whatever you need to get on the right mental path. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's God it. sending the life raft. Yeah. And then people are blocking the yeah. life raft that God is sending. Yeah. And the thought that I had, and this is a much less, uh, dire thing than samantha's story but i was interested at a youth group i was at about like helping out like taking not a leadership position but like getting some sort of like like responsibility helping out there yeah more involved and there was this stupid ass (laughs) excuse my language (laughs) but she was the type of woman that samantha was explaining ran her church who I was like, uh, how did uh, there's this other kid who's already in like a like a helping position? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did Brandon get that job that he's doing with the youth group? And this older woman, she's like a teacher at the school. She's not directly tied to the youth group. She's like a church leader at this church. She's like, God put him there. I'm like, yeah, but how did he get? How did he get that? Wait, what were the steps? And she says, God put him there. Like, I wanted to help, and the steps was like, oh, you go volunteer with the pastor over there, or oh, you go talk to the. She didn't do the Lord's work that day. Like, right. I wanted to help with the church. Right. And she said, no, <laughs> she did the she did Satan's work that day. She did the opposite <laughs> of God's work. I was reaching out to help with the church. And instead, she decides to use this as some sort of little moment to say, God put him there. Like, yeah, I'm asking, how can God put me there? No, God, you can't go there until God puts you there. Well, you're supposed to put me there through God's yeah, work in yeah. you and you failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was very wrong. <laughs> but it wasn't. And maybe who knows if, if she hadn't been a roadblock, I might've helped out at the church and I'd be a much more pious person today. And I wouldn't be taking out on my Relying K podcast. I wouldn't possibly <laughs> be taking the secularist view. I wouldn't be so lax in the knowledge of the Christian faith. All of this and that, I'd be, you know, you'd be married to a much more uh, Christian guy, or you wouldn't have married me because I've been too Christian. No, that wouldn't have been a problem. No, I guess not. You no. were you were kind of more pious when I first met you. I than I am now for <laughs> sure. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I'm glad it all works out. <laughs> and thank you, Samantha, for calling with those great voicemails. 
Um, so speaking of taking the secularist view, let's talk about the song this week. There let's was another it. time in my life, which I'm actually not taking a secularist view. No, I, it was actually the other way around. It was, I was like, oh, whenever I heard this song, I totally thought it was about a girl. Like when I, when I originally mm. listened to this song, I didn't dive deep into the lyrics. I didn't dive too deep into the meaning. And I think it's partially because I was like, there was another time in my life. Well, I mean. That's a pretty common sentiment. That's a pretty common romantically. sentiment. Romantically. Right. Romantically. And. Matt Thiessen's still playing in his high school worship band all these years later. Like, when was there this was time th- in your life? You dressed up as Salty the Singing Songbook when you were, like, three. What is this time that you're singing about? Shoot, you took my major point. <laughs> <laughs> we were pre, we were, we were doing the pre-episode that we sometimes do during dinner and I'm like, it will, I will peek behind the curtain. Sometimes we talk about the episode before we do. It's like, oh, you should know my point I'm going to make here so you have a reply pre- prepared. And then we'll talk about something else and I'll be like, oh, no, I'm, I got a point about that, but I'm not going to mention it because I want to get your real reaction on the podcast. My major point this week that I held back from you during our pre-show, our pre-show dinner, was that. Yeah. <laughs> so... We just have the same point. Yeah. So... <laughs> Like, I, and I get it because you can stray and come back and accept all that sort of thing. Yeah. And that, that totally makes sense. But it still is like, all right, where well, you're still looking at, this is the bird and the B-sides era. So you're still looking at a relatively more Christian reliant K. You're, st- you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you know, a collapsible but lung reliant K. This yet. is also the, this was, there's multiple things happening in the history of reliant K during this point. Because this is also when... There, we talked about it recently. We just talked about it with Prodigal. They're more mature and pragmatic views on their faith, or Thiessen's lyrics on his faith are really developing by, mm hmm, you know, and Five Score and by this album. Because the lining, I keep coming, I always come back to the lining is silver, but that was like a brain uh, light bulb moment for me when I listened to the lining is silver and I'm like, Oh, this is a tur- this is the turning point where he's like to me in their discography and it's the opening it's not the opening track to this album. It's one of the earlier tracks to this album where Tyson is saying the lining is silver and we're the lining. All of us are the lining. People are people are meant to be loved and cared for in the way that we were just talking about on Sam's voicemail. And so there's a mature viewpoint. He's like, I'm not going to judge people. The lining is silver, and all of us are the lining is silver. So that's happening around this time. Also, Forget Not Slow Down is on the horizon. His relationship with Shannon is turning at this point. We've talked about it because I also had this big moment from doing this podcast where I realized that a lot of the Tyson songs on the Nashville Tennis EP section of The Bird and the B-Sides are basically prequel songs or lead-ups to Forget and Not Slow Down. Because we all know Forget and Not Slow Down is one major album work of his relationship falling apart. Right. That was happening at the time that they're writing Burden the B-Sides. And Burden the... And i got to rephrase this every time we do a Nashville Tennis episode in this style. The Nashville Tennis EP section of the Burden the B-Sides, they did because they were contractually obligated to record some new music in 2008. Now I extrapolate and I assume and theorize that they weren't ready to do album number 
six yet. <laughs> I had to count five score is the fifth album. They weren't ready to do album number six yet. So they were like, okay, we're going to put some B-sides together. We're going to record a bunch of new songs, call it an EP, even though it's really a full-length album's worth of new material. And we're going to put that together. So that's not our canonical sixth album. But a lot of the same threads that he's working on for Forget and Not Slow Down are in this album. So that affected my thought on... Once I realized that in the last couple years, that also affected my viewpoint on this song. There was another time in my life. It's usually something you say romantically to someone. Right. You can't absolutely say it to God. Now, in this case, I think it is a very particular artistic statement and that it is God. He is talking about his relationship with Christ, but I think it's an it's the reverse allegory from the usual thing, the usual joke about Christian music, about how you switch the babies for Jesus <laughs> right. and you have a Christian song. I think that this is a reverse allegory from that. I think he's singing about his relationship with God, but he's re- using that as an allegory to reflect on his relationship with Shannon. Sure. I think yeah. that the, the timeline lines up. I think that... If you added one or two lines where it's clearly not about God and you put this on Forget and Not Slow Down, it would fit 100%. I think the kind of moody, stormy, downbeat sound of this song fits really well on Forget and Not Slow Down. <laughs> and it's funny that this is a song about rejoicing in, you know, on its surface, this is a song about rejoicing in your finding faith in the Lord. And yet the song is so downbeat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that seems a little antithetical. So I think that there's a little bit more going on. Just like a person's mental state, you can be in, you can experience just like inside out or vice versa for our European listeners. Just, you know, the point of that movie, that Pixar movie is that emotions are complex. I think the complexity here is he's sad and happy and excited and remorseful and grateful all at the same time. He's grateful for his relationship in Christ and he's grateful for the time he spent with the woman in his life, but the lady in his life. I'm somehow saying the woman in his life sounds more uh, objectionable, <laughs> like objectifying, <laughs> objectifying than to say the lady. So I think that this is a very emotionally complex song, even though on its surface, lyric wise, it's very simple. Production-wise, it's a little complex, right? There's so much going on. It's like a jazz. It's like a soft jazz fusion song. There's definitely some Beach Boys influence in it. Yeah. You've got the harmonizing, and I really like the harmonizing. It is very pretty. It's uh, definitely like a like a pre pre air for free kind of a feel to it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and I think that this is one of those songs that's also just like. That is just another testament to Matt Thiessen's writing where you could go, oh, it could be about either way. Right. It could be about God or it could be about a girl. I think that if you were, if, if he had said, there was another time in my life before I really knew you, right. then you'd be like, okay, it's definitely about God. And I think that that's just, it's just the hang up is knowing about, generally about Matt Thiessen as a person. There was no other time in his right. life before he knew God. But there's definitely, you know, I know I've had that myself where it's like, you grow up in the church and you're just like, oh, you know, we go every Sunday or whatever. You're not super, super involved or whatever. And then yeah. like one day you kind of have that stronger, like 
you feel that stronger connection, you know, whether you're on a youth group trip or whatever, whatever happens, you come closer to God and you're like, oh my gosh, now I get it. Yeah. Like now I see it. So I'm like, okay, no, I totally get it from that point of view, but it still feels like we're just sort of goofing a little bit on, on the sentiment in that we know that there was no other time in his life. It's more like, you know, it's just, and that's just semantics. It's just, yes, there was another time in his life, I'm sure before he was actually really close and understood his relationship with God. Right. And it's not to be discounted that when you, because I've, because I'm in the same boat. I was raised Christian. My parents actually became born again, like when I was one years old. So my sister even was born when the family was fully born again, Protestant Christian. There was no other time in my life before I was being raised in the Christian church, but there was a time in my life where I chose to be baptized. We talked about this actually. You're also you were also raised in a Protestant non-Catholic denomination, but the way baptism worked and affirming your faith in Christ worked in my church was and the, the that particular denomination was that you had to when you were old enough, meaning like you could be like I don't know, 3, 5, when you were old enough to make the decision, you said to your parents and to the church, I want to be saved. I want to ask Jesus to save my soul. And then you asked to be baptized as opposed to some other denominations and including Catholicism that baptize a child when they're born right away. We're just having this conversation in our regular life because of our baby coming. Like Jessica's like, how are we going to get our baby baptized? And I was like, because we're not members and usually you have to be members of a church. And so, (laughs) and I was, and we were uh, in, in the Presbyterian church that my parents were a part of when I was born. They baptized me when I was like, I don't know, like six months old or something, maybe younger. I'm not sure. And Greek Orthodox. And I know lots, there are lots of other denominations that baptize newborn babies, but I was not raised in a church. And most of the other churches I moved on through throughout my teenage years also didn't baptize newborn children. And those were different denominations from the ones I grew up in. Maybe it's more of a Northeastern thing, but so this conversation came up in our regular lives And so there was no, you know, technically there was a time in my life before I knew God when I was two, (laughs) before I, before my church said, you made the choice. So now you get to be baptized. Now you're going to be, not, not you get to be, but now you are going to be baptized because you made the choice. And then there were times in my life where I leaned towards this, the evangelical thing, the thing that's in the zeitgeist that's being talked about all the time now. I brought that on to myself. I wasn't raised in the youth group culture that now I'm so connected to being aware of what's happening because of other, you know, friends that we have online and stuff. You know, I had a time where in high school, I chose to go to a church that happened to be more evangelical. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I got friends here. So I'm going to be all about this stuff. And that was about three years of my life where I got the most evangelical and the most conservative, but it never really fit in my brain all the way. And by the time I was out of that, I was like, that was a weird days of couple years where that wasn't quite me but I, it, no different from when you're in high school and you decide you want to be in the chess like, club or you right, decide you, you, you have a goth phase you have a goth phase <laughs> i had an evangelical phase for like three years in high school yeah i had like a like a like an an extra super more christian but not even i mean now hearing from other people i'm like oh i wasn't even on that level right. you know but like i definitely <laughs> had that phase in high school as well so because <laughs> I didn't even learn what 
ex-evangelical was until we started this podcast. So a couple years into learning what that was, I was like, I'm next-evangelical, meaning I thought I was evangelical, but <laughs> not, I was not next-evangelical. Yeah, yeah, when I met Danny, I, I was, was just like, oh, wow, he, this dude is like way more like Christian and into that scene than I am. <laughs> but then we started meeting people online yeah. and we realized, no, I'm not even close to that either. <laughs> right. All, it's all Fifty Shades of Grey, yep. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Christ. So yeah, we but we know enough about Matt Thiessen that we're like, and I know enough about my own life that I could be like, there was a point in my life where I was like, I'm a reaffir- I'm you know, I'm 19 years old. I'm reaffirming my life for Christ, and I'm all about it now, 125 thousand percent, and I mean it. And then if I looked back on my life before that, I'd be like, there was another time in my life where I didn't know you. You know, mm-hmm. when I was 14. And I was sneaking into R-rated movies. I only did that once in my life. And that sin has never left my soul. But Christ with you. It's like, did you it's and your like, friends sneak into Naked Lunch and you were like, man, that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> I could think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> no, you know what R-rated movie we snuck into? It was Flirting with Disaster. <laughs> is that Noah Baumbach, I think? It's like an early... Hold on. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Flirt, and Because it, it, we thought it sounded like it would be dirty right had the word flirting in it right and disaster you're like oh maybe there maybe it'll be an erotic david o russell david o russell (laughs) so it was an early david o russell movie but it also had patricia arquette and tia leone who are hot right so we're like oh (laughs) there's gonna be hot seats it's a ben stiller movie there's not gonna be seats you thought you were sneaking into like wild things or something that's what we were hoping we were sneaking into but it's an r-rated comedy it's called flirting with disaster we thought there'd be like provocative stuff in it there's not that much provocative stuff in it like there's one scene where she's feeding her baby and like you see some side boob of tia leone i think Mm -hmm. or she is he married to patricia arquette or tia leone i can't remember now i cannot tell from this poster which is which Oh, well. Oh, Patricia Arquette. So he's married to Patricia Arquette. That's her character. So you see a little side boob of her. Anyway, we bought tickets to Sergeant Bilko, the uh, Steve Martin movie. And we snuck into Flirting with Disaster. That's how old I am, folks. Go look up when those movies came out. Um, So my point is, like, you think there's another time in your life before you reaffirmed yourself to Christ when you were in your late teens, in your 20s or something. But... He's been in this band, yeah, since he was like, like Reliant K, the band, the mission band for the first three albums, like out there as a Christ-based mission until, mm mm-hmm, they're doing that from like 18. (laughs) So what other time in your life? And you look back on your previous life and you're like, oh, the way I feel about Christ now is nothing compared to when I was 14. But that doesn't quite jibe with the seriousness the serious tone of this song right and the serious tone of the lyrics now that being said another thought i had was we are 100 percent trained to look at matt teeson relying k songs as confessional as based on him as literal teeson songs things happening in his life right now but this could be a case relatively uh you know, statistically unlikely as it is among the classic earlier Reliant K albums, this could be a case of him just singing to a mood. 
and singing sure. to an idea yeah. yeah and based off of an idea that he knows everybody shares it doesn't have to be directly based on anything he's exactly experiencing he's not singing about anything he's exactly always feeling or was feeling at that moment or he had a feeling that tipped off the rest of the mood and the feeling of the song it doesn't have to be a literal confessional even though so much of Matt Thiessen's lyrics are literal confessionals to things that just happened that day to him up to the point in forget not slow down where he's literally writing about the writing of the album like that's how (laughs) confessional the songs eventually get but there is room for for artistic license and this isn't necessarily this is just to a truth that he knows everyone feels or whatever you know, that's something else I was thinking about. You know, in Jesus Freak, in the song, uh, not the wiggled around like marmalade jelly, not the best part of the song, but the other part of the song where they're like, a past that comes back in my darkest of dreams. There, there's a line in the song about that. Like, that's a character in a song. And is it Tate? I think that's a Tate line. I know enough about Christian stuff. I know enough about Christian music. I think... Like when I hear when I, I when I was a kid and I'd hear that line, I'd be like, I would think to myself like, oh, I don't have a past that comes back in my darkest dreams. Am I supposed to in order to have a relationship <laughs> with Christ? Do I need like to sin so badly that then I come back to Christ? Is that required? Like, but you know, and now I look back on my life and like, there's nothing in my past that comes back in my darkest of dreams right. that I need Christ to forgive me for. Like. Yeah, I've done things that I feel bad for and that I look for forgiveness and find, and I know I found that in Christ. I'd have already found that in Christ. So I'm cool with it. But I still think of embarrassing, I don't know, embarrassing stuff. Is God not there to, God's there to help you with your embarrassing moments. Like when you think of that thing that you said that was really stupid in class one day. Yeah. Or all those jokes that I tell on this podcast that lay flat. <laughs> So just one more thing about the music. Yeah, this is like a, this is a little different from the usual Reliant K stuff. I would say the mood, the the tempo, the, the, every, all of that is absolutely stuff that has happened in Reliant K music before, but there's a soft jazzy feel. You mentioned the Beach Boys. I think there's a little bit of the Ben Folds influence that's come up here and there and definitely came up in early Earthquakes demos, but, uh, there's there there's a soft like soft jazz fusion drumming like when that drumming comes in and dave doug oh no it's ethan actually when ethan is like gently tapping the uh cymbal like sure yeah like that comes in it's also the lead instruments are the glock and the piano and that's a little, you know, there's tons of piano in Reliant K and Reliant K music. I think I read the Genius Annotation, which I'm sure we'll read in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they were like, this is unlike a lot of our other Reliant K music because it's led with piano and glockenspiel. And it's like, well, that's, yeah, I guess. Like, but there's still guitar. Totally in this. True, yeah. Right? <laughs> there is still guitar. It's interesting to hear a Reliant K song where the guitar does take such a major backseat. The guitar's in there, mm-hmm. but it's really just an atmospheric, and it's it's like leveled up with everything else. Like the guitar is not re- really separated from the rest of the mix. And when the whole band comes together, like a good jazz band, like a good full quartet, like everything is mixed together so levelly that it's not nothing. When the full song kicks in, 
no one instrument feels like it's really leading. Like the piano starts out, you have a little bit of a pseudo guitar solo, and then you have the glockenspiel solo. But most of the rest of the song is just like the mix feels so good. Like I don't know if bringing any other instruments up might damage the song. I think it's mixed so well. And one other last thought before our break, unless you had any other points, is I just want to go back to what we learned about this album when we had Brad Moist from Goatee Records on the show for our uh, Vinyl Countdown episode. And he talked about the history of this album, of the Nashville Tennis EP songs that are on Bird and the B-Sides. How they got into the studio and they wanted to record some new material for their B-Side collection, but they over-delivered. Like, Right. I don't know for a fact what it is, but I guess they could have done, let's say hypothetically, they only needed five songs or they only needed eight songs or they only needed 20 minutes. They only needed 10 minutes of new material or they, you know, a lot of B-side collections will have like two new songs on it. Right. Sure. So maybe they only needed two new songs, but instead they over delivered and they did delivered like 12 songs at half an hour of brand new material along with a whole B-side collection. And this song is so not half-baked. This song is fully baked. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. And to think that this is something that they were contractually obligated to do, and they real, by all accounts, they didn't want to do this album. Right. But they, Reliant K never half-assed anything, and they didn't half-ass this either. Like, this is such a well-developed song, and so well-mixed, and so well-recorded, and so kind of unlike anything in and of itself that they'd done, and they did it great. And so I just, it's funny that this is also a really under the radar. This is a deep cut for Reliant K overall. It's never been played live. Uh, there's a couple of covers, but it is, you know, a song that people definitely love, but it's not, it is a deep cut. I would consider this an album deep sure, cut yeah. for the overall history of Reliant K. And yet in an album that's like, this is the bird, right? That was something else we learned that the the reference of the bird might've mm-hmm. been, this is something they just flipped off. Right. <laughs> like that's kind of one of the double meanings of the title of the bird and the B-sides. We learned that from John Schneck. <laughs> Should I be reminding everyone that that's where we learned it from? <laughs> like they were like, here's the bird to the record label. We did it. We got your new songs and here's the B-sides. And yet it's the n- most beautiful kind bird flipping of the bird <laughs> like the most artistic and fully developed and amazing and over delivered flipping of the bird you could possibly give to the record label and i think i i don't know i i really i think i like this song more th- oh wait we saved that oh, for the end <laughs> spoiler warning anyway well with that we're gonna go ahead and take our break and we'll be right back Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. New episodes are released every other week, but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us. You can join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week. When you sign up, you'll get access to years of backlog episodes, including our discussions of the songs from Relying K is for karaoke, every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Relying K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include... Charity, Samantha H., number one... 
Samantha H. Number two, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Reliant K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, True. As you mentioned earlier, we do have a genius annotation this week, and that's uh, that and one song meaning are all we actually have. I can't believe there's only <laughs> one song meaning. I know, right? Well, then this is, this is like the waning days of song meaning. It as is, well. yeah, yeah. This is where you're starting to get that that separation from mm-hmm. it. So over on Genius in the About section, there's two contributors to this Genius Annotation. There Was Another Time in My Life is about the security of knowing God. Frontman Matt Thiessen sings of how he struggled in his earlier life because he didn't have God's protection. The song is largely piano-driven with a vibraphone used throughout. Oh, vibraphone. I it is, spiel, but who knows? I don't know. It is softer than much of Reliant K's discography <laughs> following a trend with the Nashville Tennis EP. And that, I'm like... Is it? What if, you know, there's a lot of soft songs in, right. er, in the first five Reliant K albums. Um, so, yeah, like the only thing, I don't disagree that this song's about God, but I do disagree with the idea that singer Matt Thiessen is reflecting on a time before he had Christ. Like he was raised in a Christian family. He had it from early on and he was in his bedroom you know, we didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, he's already in Reliant K touring in this very Christian band, but he was writing Marilyn Manson Ate My Girlfriend when <laughs> yeah. he was 16 years old. <laughs> what other time in his life existed before then? What other time? When, when he was he's, 14. When he's, when he's 14, when he's 11. Uh, so then over on song meanings from July 16th, 2008. Ooh, coming up on however many years that is, uh, ANC847, sorry, 8469 said, I think the song means that before when he wasn't a Christian, he was incomplete, like the song says. Now that he was wondering if he could be saved, he was and got saved and now he feels complete. Sure. So that, I mean, that just seems to be the general consensus is that it is... And... uh, a Christian song. I meant to talk about that, but the idea of I didn't know if I could be saved. In this context, Reliant K, Christian band, what else are you going to take away from that? I'm not contesting that that is verbiage that is strongly co-opted by the Christian faith being saved. What else could it mean? Yes, I agree. It's got to mean you're talking to God to save you. There are tons of and I mean tons, there are millions of love songs about love saving you, love with a person saving you. I do think that this is an allegory for love with a person expressed through the love of God, which 
Yeah, I mean, when you is look not at the, sacrilege if at you, all. If you dive into the lyrics, they definitely make a very good case for being about God. I know that I've come a long way. My heart's headed in the right place. But sometimes your past's hard to face. But now I know you. Sometimes your past is hard to face? Meaning, I, I think he means Sometimes like, your own past yes. is hard to face. Because it was like, again, wait, your past is hard <laughs> to face. If he's saying your past, I didn't notice that. If if he's saying your past being the person he's singing to, then he's clearly singing to a person. No, I, I yeah, but, I, yeah. So, but, but that's not, he means it in the royal, he means it in the... Right. But yeah. if you subscribe to Danny's theory that a lot of these songs were also written during that same sort of forget and not slow down time, you could also look at that... I know that I've come a long way. My heart's headed in the right place, but sometimes your past's hard to face. Mm-hmm. All of those things could lead you to be like, oh, okay, this is about facing your past and things that you've done, but now I know you and wanting to be better for that other person. Right. Um, I sailed through the high winds and waves. I wondered if I could be saved, but I have emerged unscathed because I know you. So that definitely is more on the the Christian level. But it it's, also works. It does both work ways. both ways, yeah. And I think that that is deliberate. There's a handful of Reliant K songs where I think that that line is tread very much on purpose and not for the cynical way of let's trick people into thinking the song's about a girl right, when it's right. really about God. I don't think that that's I don't I don't take that particular cynical view. I think if he's singing a song and it's kind of about both, he's doing that because that is an artistic choice that is beautiful mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to write a song that is about both things. Yeah. I just want to mention again Halloween and Owatana. Different <laughs> different correlation to what I'm saying here. <laughs> Uh, people didn't, if you go back to our Halloween and Owatonna song, uh, sorry, our Halloween and Owatonna episode, every choice, I like the word I said verbiage earlier, I'm going to use that one again. Every choice of verbiage that Matt Thiessen uses in Halloween and Owatonna is very meticulously chosen in that when you first listen to that song, it sounds like a violent attack with a chainsaw. Right. But when you actually dissect every individual word, like a classic movie that implies gore but doesn't actually show gore, he's not actually using gory words. He says, blood runs cold. That implies blood spilled on the ground and it grows cold because the person's dead. But blood runs cold also means you're really scared. So what I realized when we did Halloween and Owatonna is that he's a perfect wordsmith and he wrote a song that can be interpreted interpreted as a literal attack with a chainsaw that killed someone or a prank and a scary day where someone scared someone with a chainsaw and no one was hurt. You both interpretations of that song are 100% valid. So I think well, that's, that's same... the thing that happened to him when he, <laughs> when he saw the face in the tree and something happened to me. <laughs> that's Halloween blues. I know. I'm just putting them all together. <laughs> so that's the kind of level of lyrical ability he has to ch- choose words that allow both interpretations. And I think that he is more than just allowing both interpretations. I think he is fostering both interpretations. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's the bridge. Before I knew you, before I could see that you could take all my troubles from me. Before I knew you, I was so incomplete. Which, again, could really be taken either way. Yeah, because when you find someone you love, you feel like you are complete. And I absolutely don't ascribe to, and I've made this very clear, and I think it is actually unbiblical, and I think it is unchristian, to look at the love that human beings share amongst each other and say, oh, that doesn't count because you don't have enough Christ between you. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up if you feel that way. That's awful. I don't ascribe to that. Even if you fully believe that only Christ's love is the greatest love in the world, that's wonderful. It's the top love. It's the most love. It is unreachable love. And humans aren't capable of that same level of love. Don't equate human beings being incapable of reaching the level of love that God has. Don't equate that as meaning that the level of love that humans express to each other is less. Shut up. Just shut up if you feel that way. You're wrong. Because I've heard that in so many churches. And I believe that at different points. To think that the love that human beings can feel and have for each other is somehow less than love within the church. Well, we see that love within the church fails consistently. We just talked about it with Sam's voicemails. Love, there's, then so many churches don't have love. So many churches say they have love and they don't have love. It's an, it's a total lie. And other churches do have love. But don't pretend <laughs> that love doesn't exist for people who haven't, who don't have Christ. Or that the love that people have felt without Christ is somehow like, oh, 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 cute. Oh, cute. That's cute that you think you have love. But you don't have Christ, so you don't really have love. Stop it. Like, that's not what <laughs> God wants us to love each other. And I'm not equating any of this with, like, Eros love or whatever. I'm not I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm literally just talking about, like, kindness and acceptance and love and selfless love. Like, people are capable of dying for other people as well. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, people talk about Christ. He died for us. And that was selfless. People are capable of selfless love without ever having had a relationship with Christ. It happens all the time in our armed forces. And I support all troops of all nations. Just kidding. Just trying to find a way out of this uh, tree hole. All right. Well, what do you have for us, Dan? I know that I sent you a link to uh, SoundCloud, I believe, with a cover. Oh, yeah. I found a couple of SoundCloud covers. Okay, cool. Let's see. And I got to look at TikToks. Let me go look at TikToks real quick. Somehow I'm becoming the TikTok guy. You only become the TikTok lady when if, Google if it shows leads up you in, to TikTok. Yeah, yeah. If it shows up in my deep dive, then I go there. If it doesn't, now I've started being like, oh, Dan, can you look that up? Because you have the app and I don't. Okay, let's see. Uh, what's this song called? <laughs> Halloween in Owatonna. <laughs> yeah. Time. <laughs> there was another time in my life. I'm sure if I just type in time, Reliant K, something will come up sounds there was another time in my life zero tiktoks okay (laughs) well there you go this week the trend 38 tiktoks oh happy valentines which also has the word time in it four tiktoks oh girls just want to have time 29 (laughs) videos i just (laughs) there was another valentine in my life oh yeah there's never been another Valentine in my life. You're my only Valentine. Aww. 
So anyway, let's see. No valent, no Valentines, no <laughs> live videos, nothing that I found, no set list FM references. So this does not seem to be a song that Reliant K ever performed live, but that would be fun. You know, the song's almost three minutes long, but it doesn't feel three minutes long. It feels very quick. Like right. something about the structure of this song by the time it's over you're like it's over already but it was a three minute song so many other three minute songs feel like three okay minutes. yeah when yeah is this you're, well, you're a minute in you're like i am done i am ready we got <laughs> we got everything we need to get out of this song but that's like how well written this song is and and it's kind of sad that it is sort it's a deeper album cut that it is like i don't think there's any fat on this song i think this song is as lean as it can possibly be and it couldn't, you could, you couldn't, if you, maybe you could add a little bit more, maybe you could, I don't know. But you definitely couldn't trim it down any further. So let's see. We have, <laughs> April looked up at me when I said, let's see. What do you think? What do you think that meant? Here is, oh, this is the, should we start with, there's two, the two best covers. Should okay. we start with one of those? Or should sure. we do people who are doing it, having a good time? <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean, you know I hope I mean? everyone's having a good time. But, but the two really good covers, and then the covers where I hope Why everyone... don't you do one of the really good covers, and then first, and then save another one for last. Okay, that sound? so here's... A little sandwich. Here's the most transformative covers, and you know, with Relying K, we don't get a ton of transformative covers. This is Dudley Do Wrong. Okay. This month's cover... Right on. On Dudley Do-Wrong's page, uh, YouTube channel, it says... I've been to Islands of Adventure. I get that (sighs) reference. This month's cover of the month is a personal favorite of mine. I hope you enjoy and remember, Growing Up comes out on November 18th. Be sure to follow me on the socials at the underscore Do-Wrong to keep up to date on all things (laughs) Do-Wrong. Sometimes you pass hard to face, but now I know you. This is really great. This is really good. It's not as transformative as I first thought. I only listened to the first 30 seconds and it mm-hmm. sounded so different. When the full band kicks in, I'm like, okay, it's got the same general vibe as the real track. It's got, but it's still great. It's He's it, still yeah. doing something different than the original track, even though he's kind of keeping with the same vibe and mood. I wondered if I could be seen, but I have I know
it's interesting that he's playing a ukulele out of all of the instruments that we're hearing in this cover. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually on YouTube. It's hashtagged piano, guitar, ukulele. Interesting. There's probably more going on there. There's definitely more going on there. But like this also kind of, it, it jives with the original version where the guitar is so right, evenly yeah. mixed and he's playing ukulele and it must be mixed in there. I can't ascertain it. Yeah, I can't yeah. hear it. Maybe if I have, maybe when I have headphones on when I'm editing the episode, I'll hear it. I don't know. Well, there's another minute left of the song, but I think people have to go listen to Dudley Do Right's cover and check out the rest for themselves. You I don't mean do wrong. Dudley Do Wrong. I did wrong by saying do right. <laughs> uh, so here's, uh, you know, a cover that someone did. Okay. <laughs> no, they're all great. They're all great. Here's one of those SoundCloud covers. This is by Spire. And I think that these are like MIDI instruments or something. Okay. I don't remember exactly how it sounds, but this is by Spire with an I on SoundCloud. I've come a long way My heart's headed in the right place But sometimes your past's hard to face But now I know you Ba-da-da-da There was another time in my life There was another time in my life Ba-da-da-da There was another time in my life Before I knew you Ba-da-da-da it's fun. It's a very yeah. It's a very it's a very unique take on the song, especially with it has the a use. demo like feel, but I like it. I do like that. Um, here is the other. SoundCloud cover. This is Max Moraine, not spelled the way of Daniel Moraine. This is M O R A with a little dash above it, N Max. This is also on SoundCloud. I know where I come from, the way my heart's headed in the right place But sometimes your past hard to face But now I know you But I was another time in my life I love it. It's actually really good. This is the best cover I was talking about. This has got an accent. He's just belting it out. Let's hear a little further into the song. (laughs) That's basically the same as the first part of the song. Where's the little bridgey breakdown? Ah, that's all. Okay. That's great. Great job, Max. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'm i always waiting for those covers where, it, like, 
it's it's gonna sound really lo-fi like the person it's outsider art i'm basically looking for that outsider music style thing i want someone who's like who uh we kind of get it with uh with what's their names the ones who did the Reliant K full tribute, the self-titled full tribute. What's their Princes of the Sun. Princes of the Sun. Yeah. I'm basically looking for the shags or viper of <laughs> like Reliant K covers. Like someone who is really just doing the best with what they have, but it has a vibe that's like perfect. And this is nearly there. But you know who has a vibe that's perfect? Is Friend of the Pod, contributor to the collapsible lung tribute project that's coming out in just a matter of weeks and we'll be doing a full collapsible lung anniversary episode because 10 years of collapsible lung is upon us but adam goff nice did a cover of this and it's so funny because i left a comment on these on his youtube video because this cover is just from three months ago and i and i was doing the research and i find the cover and i reply to adam goff and i say are you making sure you cover the songs that are left on our list? <laughs> and Adam replied on his YouTube comments and said, LOL, nope, this video was a redo from when I posted years ago. I deleted the original video since it was worse quality. Well, now I wish we'd heard that one if we had done this song earlier. But here is Adam's very recent cover of There Was Another Time in My Life, just on piano. Adam always does interesting setups. With all his different right. covers. Like sometimes he's out in the front yard, sometimes he's at dusk, and sometimes he's here and he's there, and he sometimes he's got a guitar, and sometimes he's doing other things. This time it's him and a piano. I just, you know, I like that he doesn't just, he decides what instrument he's going to use, what's it going to take to do this song, and then figure out an interesting setup. There's a whole, it's the whole package. So here is, um, and he's going to have two, you're going to get to hear him sing twice on the Collapse Belong album, uh, tribute album. Here is his cover of There Was Another Time in My Life. And there's another piano cover, but why even play that one? <laughs> oh no, I mean, there's only so many covers. We might as well play that one too. This is Carter Hemin- Heminger. This is a big act to follow up, but uh, here's Carter's cover. Oh. Hmm. This piano cover isn't quite the same as the other one. Uh, now I'm getting... This is an ad for Joy Tunes. 
Now I'm getting piano-based ads. Oh, no. <laughs> like, you love piano. All right. We'll skip ahead a little bit, but this is a this video is from nine years ago. It's a more low res camera, and it is an electronic piano. It's one of them electric pianos. good we should have heard the yeah, little solo part of everybody bit. yeah we should have heard listen to the solo section of everyone's songs oh well go out there and look them up for yourselves yeah uh give everybody a listen that's why i read out the full names so if you type in relying k cover and then the name of the song and the name of the channel you can go find these yourself so I guess we just, I, we did all the covers, just one more left. And if you're a patron, oh, you get those links for you already there because you get Danny's notes. That's right. Join up. Uh, oh, yeah. And I activated tri free trials on Patreon. Oh, so, nice. Like I said last week, now that seven day <laughs> free trials are activated, you go to Sadie Hawkins pod, you get a free trial. You download all the free. You download all the Patreon episodes, and then you cancel. Yep. I'm not sending stickers and uh, all that stuff to people who, on free trials. Like you have to actually activate <laughs> your try. You have to activate your account before I'm gonna. We're gonna send you the physical things. But if you want to go download all the digital stuff. Great stuff over there. And we have uh, some some new ideas as well for uh, <laughs> for Reliant K Book Club. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to go listen to our episodes where we read through the complex infrastructure known as the female mind. The Those book are that Reliant K did not write. Right. But is, their name is on the book. You know, we talked about what do we follow up Reliant K book club with? There's nothing really that's Reliant K book related. We looked yeah. at the other book from the guy who really wrote the book and it's much more hardline. We read one chapter, we did a test episode, and we canned it because they're like, this yeah, is not fun. It was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. And, uh, and we were a little too inebriated at the yeah. time to really... Uh, and then I found that it. blog about the evils of Christian rock mm -hmm. and how Christian rock is really like a, a psyop to right. get, make We read through that. It was also not fun. It was also not fun. It was a little fun at different points, but also like it was so oddly written i was like i'm afraid of this person coming after us now i think they're not all there i mean it's one thing to like have really hardline beliefs but the, the there's some unhingedness to that blog when i when we really started reading it so we're like what are we gonna read you know and then we talked about i kiss dating goodbye i'm not sure that's gonna be fun like just some sort of christian book no <laughs> oh oh and before i say it <laughs> one other thing we toyed with when we run out of Relying K songs overall in the free side of the podcast is doing like Christian relationship books and laughing at them and being or, or learning things that might make sense for us as a couple. But then, you know, 
I don't know. I don't want to get heavy into all the Christian talk all the time anymore. I just can't do that week to week to week. So, what if on Patreon we read a relationship book (laughs) that is a little less Christian-based and a little bit more (laughs) science-based, space exploration that were, because I don't know if you heard this, but men, well, they're from Mars, and women, they're from some other planet. I think Venus? (laughs) This is our Tom DeLonge (laughs) tie-in. Yeah. We're thinking about it. We got to the books. The book is on the Hoopla app. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the the library library app. app. Yeah. So we don't have to like commit to buy a copy or anything. We can read it digitally for free. Uh, My mom was talking to us on the phone talking about, you know, baby, baby shower stuff. And, you know, she lives on the East Coast, but we're going to do a digital baby shower. And she's like, talk to us about that. And she started talking about. Like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and we're and she's telling a point us point system or something, and we're like, what are this you talking? So this sounds so laborious. Awful. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of book that the that the before they split up, the character from Deathbed, his wife might have like bought a copy of oh, Men no. Are from Mars, Women Are oh, from, no. <laughs> from Venus to try to get their relationship to work. It's like, we're going to do a point system. Like, when you do the dishes, you get a point. And he's like, great. I'm just going to... He drinks a whole bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> he's like, I'm going bowling. She's like, when you go bowling, you don't get a point. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So so we, we were like, oh, that sounds hilarious and awful. And so maybe maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll read maybe that. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to see. Let us... Let us know what you think. And if you, and maybe we'll help you with your relationships out there by reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Oh, yeah. But you can only get that at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkinspod. Yeah. So there's two more covers. There's one by Rebecca Ramirez and one by Natalie. Um, so let's hear, this is called The One Woman Band by Natalie. I know that I've come a long way My heart's headed in the right place Oh right, I remember thinking like her voice sounds very much like Amy Mann. From uh, Till Tuesday and, you know, mm. the, the the Magnolia soundtrack, Amy Mann. It's lovely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's no images in this video. Well, there's an image. It's just a still image of a nice sunset over the snow. But there's no visuals of her singing. Sometimes I pass hard to face, but now I know. since this is like a jazzy soft song it actually lends itself to be sung by a woman mm-hmm, it does yeah and yeah like not yeah and it actually and because this person's voice reminds me a lot of amy mann 
I could hear an Amy Mann version of this song. I would really love to hear that, but I would be technically kind of get it here. We just get it with uh, some very simple demo style instruments, but yeah. Cool. Well, I really like that cover too. So actually all these covers are great. I'm sorry. I even implied that any of these covers weren't good because they're all amazing. And there's one more that will play out. This is Rebecca Ramir. And it's another female voice cover, and it's another piano cover, but then it blends into getting into you oh, a little bit through. That's fun. We'll just play it in the room. I won't. There we go. Put the microphone up. Speak up to the microphone. Another great voice. Everyone's got a great voice in this, including that guy on SoundCloud. Everyone out there just doing what they love, playing music. There was a time in my life where I would have been more critical of these covers. No, I don't think we've ever been critical of... uh... (laughs) I feel like we've gotten spicy maybe once or twice, but not often. Oh, it just changed up. Whoop, the uh, timer just went off. The timer just went off for the podcast has to end, not the laundry timer. So what do you think of this? It just kind of switched up. Yeah. I find this happens on YouTube a lot, where people do these live mashups. They call them mashups. Right. But they're really just medleys. They really just do one song, and then they lead into the next song. Yeah. If you're going to do a live mashup and call it a mashup, like, I feel like you need to weave in and out of both songs consistently, like a real mashup. Well, you still got a bit left going on this. Maybe, Maybe they'll switch back. She did. There you go. So, Danny, do you like this song more or less or the same as you did before? Getting Into You? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I definitely like this song. Uh, There was another time in my life. I like it way better. I like, I, you know, I could definitely hum this song. I knew this song very well. I thought I knew this song very well. But really paying attention to it this week, I'm like, oh, this is actually a secret top tier Reliant K song for me. I don't know if it'll ever, like, I don't think it might not get the accolades that it needs in the fandom, or that it might deserve, and maybe it doesn't deserve them. Maybe I'm just having a little bit of a, you know, an a, uh, overestimation, a little bit of hyperbole, just because of this song really touched me this week. But I love this, I really like this song more. Well, never underestimate. There was another time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I like it about the same. You like it about the same? Yeah. Jessica, well, that's okay, because you're from Venus, and I'm from Mars, so those things are going to be expected. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe and healthy out there. We'll talk to you in in two weeks. It's almost over. (laughs)